Welcome to Fashion Your Seatbelt, your first class seat to one-on-one -on -one conversations with the fashion industry's top voices. I'm Jessica Michaud, and I created this podcast to share the joy I have in getting to know all the amazing people who bring this creative, inventive, and extraordinary business to life. You'll get to hear the cadence of their voices, the sound of their laughter, and feel firsthand how passionate they are about what they do. But before we get this show on the road, I want to say a quick thank you to GPS Radar for making this episode possible. GPS Radar is the members-only website where leading fashion brands and media connect. Also, I just want to remind you to leave a review. Stars are really trending right now, and it helps other very stylish listeners like yourself find the show. Now buckle up, and let's get started. Hey listeners, before we get started, I just wanted to thank all of you for your continued support of the Fashion Your Seatbelt podcast. With each new podcast, our audience is growing by leaps and bounds, so please do keep spreading the word about this podcast to your friends and family, and also don't forget to leave me a comment and let me know who you'd like me to interview next. Also, once you finish listening to this podcast, I highly recommend that you go back and check out the one I did with the talented accessories designer, Paola Carimatori, who is building a new luxury empire out of colorful and creative made-in-Italy bags and shoes. She is a true girl boss, blazing her own new fashion path. So now let's talk about today's guest, Adam Pritzker. He is the chairman and CEO of Assembled Brands, and I was lucky enough to be a moderator of a panel he was on at the famed Fashion Tech Forum conference that took place in Los Angeles. The event was hosted by the renowned Karen Harvey, who founded the Karen Harvey Consulting Group and is known for her ability to make high-level connections between fashion and tech companies around the globe. It really made sense that Adam would be speaking at Karen's conference. He co-founded and raised millions for his tech education platform, General Assembly, which, among other things, became known for its great coding boot camps and also got him on to Forbes 30 Under 30 list when he was 28. Then, in 2013, he launched Assembled Brands, which is a next-gen holding company of niche fashion and lifestyle brands like The Line, Kate, Pop and Suki, Protagonist, and Margot. Adam, who it's worth pointing out is the scion of the Hyatt Hotels family, dove into the world of fashion because he saw an opening that needed filling in the circle of life of modern-day fashion brands. He wants Assembled Brands to be the place where a growing number of targeted, smaller fashion labels can come and build their businesses thanks to the infrastructure and the support his company will be able to provide them, thus leaving the creative entrepreneurs who start these labels the room to focus their energies on building their unique products. When we spoke about it at the conference, he compared the concept behind Assembled Brands to Y Combinator, a respected accelerator for nasty and tech startups. We spoke about all of this in a somewhat noisy backstage green room right after we had finished our Fashion Tech Forward Roundtable talk in a quick and precise interview that proves that Adam has a clear vision of the future of fashion where creativity is supported and elevated by lifting the burden of the business side of the industry off the shoulders of talented designers. Once you've finished this podcast, you might just want to get in touch with Adam about becoming part of the Assembled Brands family. So can you just explain to me exactly how you came up with this concept for Assembled Brands? Yes. So one of the things I always think about is, you know, being here in L.A., um, you know, when movies are pitched, uh, it's often, you know, Jaws in Outer Space, right? And so when I think about kind of our version of Jaws in Outer Space, like what kind of two things combined make Assembled Brands, I think about uh, Y Combinator first, which is a really an accelerator in Silicon Valley that provides kind of capital 
uh, a network. It's really a new way to fund startups. Companies that have come out of Y Combinator include Airbnb uh, and Stripe, uh, you know, and Dropbox and a number of others. And then kind of on the other end, I would say Louis Vuitton, Moet, Hennessy are kind of one of the big holding companies in Europe insofar as they're the leaders in, you know, uh, high quality products. And so when you combine those ideas, um, I would say that's, that's our aspiration. So, so you were saying, so LVMH, that's very lofty. LVMH and Y Combinator. Y Combinator. Yeah, no, okay. and, and, and it is lofty. I'm not saying that we are those things. <laughs> I'm saying that those are the people that we aspire to and admire. Mm-hmm. And then These are idol- multi-billion dollar companies. We are certainly not that. Okay, and, and then your idol, you're saying, as Mutra Prada? Explain. I would say, yeah, like in, in this space, I would say if there's like a third big company that we really admire, it's Mutra Prada because, mm-hmm. right, you've got the Y Combinator for a new way to fund startups. You've got LVMH or Caring because they're the leaders and get high-quality products. Mm-hmm. I think what's incredible about Prada is, you know, they really, and she really understood the idea of, uh, culture and experience kind of outside of just the goods that were being sold and how to create that culture and that community around her brand. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, maybe it's a very different brand and a different comp, but I think brands like Supreme really borrow from that, right? Mm-hmm. It's like the culture of the brand, mm-hmm. almost more important than the goods that are being sold, right? I mean, we're talking about t-shirts, I mean, mm-hmm. I, Supreme's amazing, but at the end of the day, yeah. people are going for the culture. Mm-hmm. and. You know, I think that's a the cool factor, pretty the cool. incredible feat. Yeah, there was this amazing New York Times article, I forget when it came out, but about the lines mm-hmm. at like Palace and Supreme mm-hmm. and the culture of the line. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So they love to line up. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that's not just because they want to get the T-shirt. Because I hear, I, I'm not a collector, mm-hmm. but I hear the fastest way to do it is through Google Chrome and just to have all of your credit card information uploaded and buy it fastest. It's clearly a better way to buy stuff than going to the store, right? Mm-hmm. People Absolutely. aren't going to the store for that reason. They're going for the culture of the line. Mm-hmm. And I think that you know companies like Prada and Supreme have done that incredibly well. But, but then let's get into the nitty gritty about what Assemble Brands does. It is, mm-hmm. it is support on the business side of a brand because we have all these creatives who don't seem to have very much of a clue of how to handle the business side. So is that what you're doing as you're coming in and being that kind of rescuing themselves, them from themselves to a certain extent? I don't think it's necessarily rescuing anybody from themselves. I would say we live in a world where somebody has to, a brand has to uh, have a precise and bold aesthetic, mm-hmm. has to build a community and a brand identity, has to figure out uh, finance, accounting, and forecasting, has to figure out how to underwrite and capitalize their business, has to figure out how to do content marketing uh, and you know SEO, SEM, etc., and has to figure out a sales and clienteling strategy. Um, that's a lot for one small brand to do. In mm-hmm. fact, I might argue it's impossible. There are some black swans, obviously. Tory Burch, mm-hmm. right? Multi-billion dollar brand. Michael Kors, multi-billion dollar brand. In fact, I just heard Kylie Jenner's company is doing 400 million in net revenue in its first 18 months. So there are certainly outliers. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say, yeah, on the whole and generally, that you know, we feel we're filling a gap, which is creating this alliance that provides these services mm-hmm. that are not being offered. And, you know, one such example of that is, you know, in terms of underwriting, a lot of brands have no access to capital because if they're a direct-to-consumer brand, which we think is the future, uh, you can't go to a bank because there's no purchase order from a retailer, right? Mm-hmm. So a factor isn't going to factor you. Uh, and we have a lot of questions about venture capital in this category because you can't really scale inventory the way you can scale software. Yes, exactly. Right? Um, so we, we look for these gaps 
and we tried to fill them. Mm-hmm. But originally when you started out, you had a couple of brands that you were investing in. They were kind of like your your starter kit to, for, for assembled brands. Can you talk about why you decided that to go in that route where you were actually going to be investing yourself in a particular, like three brands, and then sure. you branching out from there? Yeah, so we developed the line, line.com, mm-hmm. in the apartment by the line. Uh, the name comes from online, offline. That was really the area that we wanted to explore. How do you create a seamless experience across online and offline environments? What does that look like? How do you think about generating content? How do you think about selling goods? Mm-hmm. How do you think about buying from third parties, right, etc. Mm-hmm. We built Protagonist, we built Kate, we built a home brand called Tenfold, and And the goal there was really to show the industry that we were serious about actually building brands that were intimate and were refined and had a point of view, uh, and then offering services behind those, because I think a lot of people in the technology and services space are offering this you know, suite of technologies or services, but haven't necessarily operated a retailer or a brand. Hmm. And, you know, it's... Uh, I understand why they're doing that because operating a multi-brand retailer and manufacturing brand or you know ready-to-wear brand whatever it is is excruciatingly difficult mm-hmm. uh, and very capital intensive mm-hmm. far more than offering a technology service for example yes uh, but we felt in order to design the technology service and the services generally in the first place you know we really had to live the pain mm-hmm. so that when we did approach other brands like some we've just onboarded pop and suki which is suki waterhouse's brand or fig or a shoe brand called Margot, we could say, do you like the brands that we've built? Mm-hmm. What do you think about them? And by the way, in your journey, are you having the same issues we are? Mm-hmm. And we build tools we would love to share with you because collectively we can lower our costs, we can increase distribution, mm-hmm. and we can all independently focus on brand identity and building a you know precise and bold aesthetic and mm-hmm. an enduring brand, which mm-hmm. is really the goal. Okay, just let's step back for one second. What made you decide that this is what you wanted to spend your life doing? Spend my life doing? Well, I'm young, so (laughs) hopefully I have a lot more life ahead of me. Um, You know, I started my career in the education sector. I started a company called General Assembly, Mm -hmm. uh, which provides training in technology, business, and design. And I started kind of right after the 08-09 recession in the Flatiron District Mm -hmm. of New York, which was certainly not what it is now um, and I don't think that's necessarily because of us but I think we kind of were in the right place at the right time and as we rode that trend of kind of technology in New York we called it technology plus okay. technology plus fashion technology mm-hmm. plus food mm-hmm. um, you know I didn't think that I was really you know needed anymore so to speak I felt like the technology community was so well served by money by training by networking mm-hmm. etc mm-hmm. and So I wanted to go somewhere where I felt there was a lot of opportunity and there were a lot of big gaps and gaps that weren't being filled. Uh, and I got really excited about this space and I, you know, it's undergoing such rapid transformation. I mean, it's wild. It's amazing to watch. And so as an investor, you know, I'm attracted to industries that are undergoing transformation, that are in distress. I mean, I think that's where the opportunity is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about it a little bit that you, okay, so you've started, you're talking about working with startup brands. You've started your own brands to learn from that mm-hmm. before spreading out to the rest of the world. Are you willing to go help some of the, you know, the, the dinosaurs of the fashion industry, some of the larger brands that maybe would need your help, something young and dynamic, maybe thinks outside the box? Or are you more focused on 
um, the more malleable, younger sphere of fashion. We're definitely more focused on the younger, more kind of malleable, high-end consumer products right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and because that's really who our services are geared to. You know, if you're a, if you've got. 50 million in EBITDA, you don't need help with finding somebody to underwrite credit, right? Mm-hmm. That's available to you. It's not available to these smaller brands. And would you say, because you offer like a number of different services, of those, which is the key one, the one that you feel is the most crucial for a young brand? I think that the kind of forecasting and planning of inventory and ensuring that you've got maintained margins of 50% plus in wholesale is absolutely critical to success. So I guess to boil it down, I would say the unit economics. Okay. Right? If you're buying things. The sexiest. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I always say, the sexy stuff. But I mean, look, if you're buying goods and then selling them for 50% of your cost, Mm -hmm. you've got a problem. Yeah. And a surprising amount of companies do that. Mm Mm-hmm. Very true. Whether they're acquiring customers or they're developing products, I mean, wherever that spend is going, Mm -hmm. uh, that equation doesn't work. So getting that right Mm -hmm. is absolutely critical. One of the things that we've talked about in the past was uh, I mentioned this uh, this argument with Christian Lacroix, and if he had had somebody like you, if he had had somebody who could help him with the business side, maybe he would still be in business and still own his own company and still be designing. And you said, well, do you consider, consider Christian Lacroix uh, an artist or designer? And I said, artist. And you said, that's pretty much the problem in and of itself. Yeah. So we were, we were talking about um, Prada Scaparelli and the show at the Met, and you know, to me, that really, I was very inspired because it really defined the difference for me, Prada did actually, where she was like, look, my job at the end of the day is to design products for people and products that people want to buy. That's the agreement I've made with my company and the agreement I've made with my investors, right? And I think Scaparelli was like, I'm an artist and my job is expression, my job is couture, my job is to make these kind of one of a kind items. And I don't have any judgment over either. I just feel we have the same responsibility that Prada feels, mm-hmm. right? To for our investors, our shareholders, our teams, etc. Uh, so we're more focused, I would say, in that context in design than art. But again, I think bringing in art to design is definitely something we're very passionate about. But we're not artists. Okay. Right? And we don't claim that we're artists. We're designers. Okay. I love that distinction. What about, what does, uh, I guess, what do you think is your big challenge right now going forward with the company? It's a young company, you've got your brands, you're spreading out, you're reaching out to other brands. Where do you, where do you feel there's the squeaky wheel with, at this point? Well, we've got this great problem is that there's a huge amount of demand mm. for our services. And the question is, how do we measure our success? Mm with those brands and what period of time is it going to take to prove that, right? So I think one of the outstanding questions still is what are any of these brands worth, mm-hmm. right, in terms of their ultimate value? Um, some people believe that all of them, all small brands are worth nothing. Mm-hmm. Some people think all small brands are worth something. I think there's probably a range of potential outcomes mm-hmm. and that's how we model our portfolio, right? Some will work really well, some won't. Mm-hmm. You know, that's kind of the the nature of the world we live in. The way that we benchmark brands and the way we choose to underwrite those brands in terms of their underlying key metrics does reduce some of that risk. Okay. Okay. 
what is exciting you right now? What is the thing that you're that's really you know got your blood pumping? That you got your what has my blood pumping is like I'm a huge television fan. I watch like a lot of Netflix and PBS, and I love new shows. And you know, I, it's hard to keep up. Mm-hmm. And I think a similar thing is happening in the consumer goods and retail space and the F and B space, right? Food and beverage. I, I think that this kind of emergence of what I think of as local to global, mm-hmm. um, which is basically flipping the global to local, right? So like, how how different is a giant brand in store in Ginza than it is on Rodeo? Mm-hmm. Probably not that much different, right? No. Whereas if somebody in Ginza discovers a motorcycle manufacturer in Detroit and loves the bikes, you can access that now, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so this giant shift to kind of local to global, Mm -hmm. I think that's so exciting because it unlocks so much creative talent. Mm -hmm. Um, And as a lover of just consumer life and products uh, and content, I'm really excited to be able to see that stuff, buy that stuff, wear that stuff, watch that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so as a consumer, it's, it's great. Is there anything else I should know about assembled brands? Come talk to us. If you're a small brand, we'd love to figure out how to work together. Okay. Thank you so much, Adam. Appreciate you talking with me. Thank you. Don't want to miss an episode of Fashion Your Seatbelt? No problem. Just go to iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts and click on the subscribe button. Then every new episode will drop into your feed automatically. No fuss, no muss. Fashion Your Seatbelt is made possible thanks to the wonderful people at Launchmetrics, the software company that is powering the fashion industry, and GPS Radar, the members-only website where leading fashion brands and media connect in style. I am a member of GPS Radar, and I can tell you, as a journalist, it has made my work life run much more smoothly. Believe me, I know. I'm Jessica Michaud.